You're listening to the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast, presented by Blackgate Hunting Products. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comments section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert. Rick Cates couldn't be here tonight. And with me tonight is the infamous godfather to saddle hunting, mobile hunting, Greg Staggs. How are you, buddy? <laughs> well, I, I would take issue with that, but I'm good, Chris. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me on, buddy. <laughs> Anytime. So uh, why, don't, why don't you go ahead and just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself um as far as uh you know your hunting career how you got into that and then yeah. uh you know just a little brief bio if you would yeah yeah brief brief background well uh you know one part of it that you nailed on there is the mobile hunting i have been mobile hunting since 1992 uh i'm actually a a first generation college student my dad worked at a factory for about 38 years and uh i was sitting around bored one day couldn't figure out what i wanted to do with my life and figured out a bunch of my friends that went to school and some of them like, well, you know what, if that person can do it, I think I can go. And uh, I went to school at Arkansas State University and I grew up in the Boot Hill of Missouri. And, and when I say the Boot Hill of Missouri for your listeners or, you know, who can't picture that on the bottom right of Missouri, there's a little bit of part of Missouri that looks like a boot that sticks down into Arkansas. And that's where I grew up at actually two miles from Arkansas. So if your listeners are trying to pinpoint that where the accent comes from, that, that's it. And uh, so I went to school at Arkansas State University, and I was, like I said, we were not prepared. It was a last-minute decision to go to college. Um, we were very broke, very poor, very lower middle class, and I supplemented my grocery bill by going out, taking my shotgun that I'd grown up with, and, you know, walking down fence rows and kicking up, you know, grass and brush and, and shooting rabbits, and literally, I was supplementing my grocery bill doing that, and, um, you know, making ends meet however I could and one one night I stopped by Walmart there in Jonesboro Arkansas where Arkansas State's at and I grabbed one of the wildlife code books that uh, shows all the hunting seasons all the game that you can hunt and everything and I was just I took it home and I was flipping through it and I came across white-tailed deer and there were no white-tailed deer in southeast Missouri where I grew up but there were in northeast Arkansas very very little bit but the main thing was I got to thinking I was like man if I killed a deer a deer would go a long way to to helping you know fill the fill the refrigerator. Yeah, and and uh, I had never I never even seen a deer alive before, and I was 18, 19 years old at this point, you know, and uh, but I went went to Wal uh, that same Walmart a few nights later, found a used bow with a quiver, arrows, everything, uh, and what, someone had suckered the sa the sales manager into taking it back, I guess, because Walmart doesn't sell used equipment, you know. And uh, but it had rust on it and everything. I talked the manager down, and I got that bow for like $80 or something. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it, it wasn't the right draw length. It wasn't tuned. It had aluminum arrows that were probably bent. Uh, but it got me started in 92 or so. And, and I started off, I, I ordered an old, or a old steel climber from someplace like Gander Mountain, like a catalog surplus store. And I was off and running, man. And, and I didn't kill a deer for a while. But I was going all because there was lots of public land around Arkansas State, and I just went and went and went and went. Like I said, didn't kill a deer, 
but but that's that was the mindset that's how I got into it it's why I got into it and fell in love with the concept of bow hunting and getting close to deer and um and that that got me off and running dude that's so cool that that reminds me of my first bow it was a bear whitetail hunter that's what this one was <laughs> I've, I've got it hanging around the corner back there man yep. it's, uh, yeah it's a bear whitetail hunter and i mean it's just you know steel cables and and uh yeah it just i, I had no idea what i was doing none so i feel like we're supposed to talk about tinkering with crossbows maybe Tinkering with crossbows. I don't know. Who's <laughs> that question? Uh, no, I've never played uh, with a crossbow in my life. You know what? Never mind. I opened up the wrong questions for the wrong podcast. <laughs> I, I, I was I like, mean, I was like, should I just ask yeah. him that? No. Yeah, you'll no, open I, a can of worms with me on that one. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, oh, I'm yeah. all for uh, I'm all for legal hunting methods and everything, but I'm I'm not a huge advocate of crossbows. I think if you know youth. I would love to, you know, I'd get youth behind them. If for someone who's truly disabled, great. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm not a, I, I hope I never need one. I'm, I'm so back and forth on that subject, man. Cause um, so there, there's a couple of different ways I go with it. So one, uh, I think they should have their own season. Yeah. Um, just like a gun and, you know, is it, is it as good as a gun? No, not even close, but it's way easier than a bow. And I feel like if it's going to be easier, it needs to be a little shorter season, different, different season and give, give guys who are, you know, we can call it putting in more work or whatever you want. Um, you know, taking up a bigger challenge, uh, give them the woods first. Uh, the other thing that I'll say is, shooting in competition and then you know i'm sure you have a lot of the same stuff where you know somebody wants to meet you or come shoot with you or you know whatever needs help with their bow or whatever man people come over and you're like dude you you need to like go at home and think about some things before you take a bow to the woods you need a crossbow like but a lot of people you know that they they feel uh, maybe less accomplished or whatever. And I'm, I'm kind of back and forth is like, well, do we kill the deer efficiently or do we wound it and feel like a man? You know what I mean? But yep. uh, at, yep. at the end of the day, I think it's funny because, um, you know, I screwed up and opened the wrong damn questions. Uh, that was for a cross, the CEO of a crossbow company. And we were talking <laughs> about how What's the odds that would be on my podcast that's seriously he 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 said that he believes that crossbow companies are targeting gun hunters um, uh, absolutely and and that's the thing you know i here in missouri they opened up crossbows to to be legalized and, and used in archery regular what we would call normal archery season sure. a, few, a couple years back right <clears throat> under the auspices or pretense that it would recruit new hunters or more hunters and yeah. i 1000% unequivocally deny that it has ever happened what it did was it recruited the gun hunters over to have a larger season absolutely that's it that's all yeah. it did it didn't bring any new eyeballs any new yeah. persons into the place because you know i think youth 
yeah, I may be wrong, but I think you could already use crossbows uh, in, you know, maybe. That's, pretty good. Could, That's a know. good point. And, and by really, and large, by and large all I did was just let, let gun hunters take advantage of another two, two months of hunting. That's all I did. Sure. And I think there is sort of a, I don't know what the correct verbiage would be, like an allure or what, like uh-huh. it, when people see somebody shooting a deer with a bow, and I'm all, I'm fine with crossbow. They don't bother me or whatever. I, I have my own feelings on like different seasons and stuff like that. But at the same rate, even though I'm fine with even using a crossbow, I still think that I don't, I just don't feel the same. You know what I mean? I, I'll be honest. You may have seen me post this or whatever, but after I wounded that deer at the end of last year, last year's deer season hunted all season didn't have an encounter with a mature animal past a right around 150 inch legit 150 inch three-year-old three times (laughs) um and he made it and and i hunted all year and the second of the last day february 6th the second of the last day i finally have a mature deer come in and i wounded him and i was just i'd fought that damn bow and fought it and finally i'm like you know what I should just use a damn crossbow. Screw this. This is stupid. And so I make this post. And of course you got the guys that are excited because they shoot a crossbow. And then you've got the guys that are, we'll say reaming me. Uh, and then you got the people that are like, what, what do you mean? like, you know, whatever, but, um, come to find out literally days ago, uh, had a bad axle and a bad bearing. Um, so it is, wrecked uh and I, I i don't know you know i didn't know that um kept coming out of time and all this different stuff and so but uh yeah i um i don't know that i feel the same i'm fine with it and it's it's funny too because uh, do you gun hunt it? no you you pr- pr- you just do uh do I, bow I don't you only, i've only bow hunted since since i bought that first bow in 1992 and with the exception of one time, uh, right after I got married, my wife and I went down uh, to visit some relatives, and I was about to go down there on private land. I ended up shooting a doe with a gun once. At one time, I shot it, so I shot one one deer with a gun in my life, and literally was just deflated from the feeling. And yeah, and I've grown up gun. I grew up shooting. I've killed thousands of rabbits behind a pair of beagles with my with my shotgun. Sure. I'm not opposed to guns. I've got guns all over my house. I'm an NRA member, but I use guns more for, for I, I really have guns now at this point in my life, more for self-defense. I carry sure. all the time. I'm a CCW carrier, uh, but they're more for bad guys than they are for game. And sure. I grew up, you know, putting, putting meat in the freezer and, you know, cause we were poor, like I mentioned, alluded to. And uh, so, you know, we were, we were hunting for our dinner. Um, so I killed a lot of animals with guns, but after that, that doe that I shot and I just dropped her in her tracks with 44 mag lever action, dad's old, old rifle. And, you know, I just, it just didn't do anything for me. I was just like, just, you know, and, and I did, you know, I spent time in the military and in the military police and, and I grew up shooting a lot of, uh, 22s and, and BB guns. I, I kept track one one summer. I killed like over a thousand birds with a BB gun, and it's, <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah, I mean, I grew up pretty redneck, and uh, <laughs> I did too. I, I just, I, I, it's just one of those things. That if I can see an animal with a gun, 
the hunt's over, really, you know, right. and I mean, I may not be, you know, Chris Kyle's, you know, American Sniper good, but pretty darn good, you know, right, and, and so it's like, if I can, you know, if that, if that especially if he's in within 100 yards, I mean, if you see a deer within 100 yards with a gun, to me, it's over, I it's mean, it's over, and so, I, you know, and that's what I did, I dropped that doe in her tracks, high shoulder shot, and she dropped, and, and I was like, I just, I was like, I don't think I'll, I don't want to do that again, yeah, and, you know, it's funny. I remember two years ago, my son was 16 years old and it was his last season. He was eligible to gun hunt as a youth hunter in Illinois. And we had a, had a fairly nice buck come up the very last night. And so it was the very last night of his very last second season and, and very last youth season and everything and had a pretty nice buck come up and he dropped it. And he was in a tree about eight yards from me. I was actually, I was already saddle hunting at that point. And he was in a lone wolf hand climber and he looked over at me and he goes, I think that's probably going to be the last deer I ever shoot with a gun. I mean, that was his first thing he said. And I was like, honey, that's, that's your choice. If that, you, right. know, if you want to be a gun hunter the rest of your life, I don't care. I mean, right. I just have to get your outdoors and you're hunting and you're, right. you know, you're availing yourself of God's resources and, and what we're still able to do here in this country right now. And uh, I'm like, I'm just happy that you're, you know, you're hunting. And he goes, no, nah, I think, he hasn't picked up a gun since he's he killed a really nice deer with his bow uh killed two really nice deer with his bow after that and uh so in my youngest son i asked him if he wanted to buy he's only 14 years old and i asked him if he wanted to buy a, a illinois youth tag this year and he goes he goes if i kill it because you're only non-residents so we're, we don't live in illinois but they've got a really nice program there for their for your youth non-residents and he asked me, he goes, Dad, if I kill one with my gun, he goes, can I still keep bow hunting? I'm like, no, son, not not with a buck, you know, not a buck. If you kill a buck with your gun tag, you're done. You're allowed one as a non-resident. He goes, don't buy the tag then. He goes, I, huh. I want to I want an archery hunt. And he, yeah. is, you know, I, you know, I, I talk about sometimes I mention this on some of my posts that, you know, I, I put in close to 100 sits of season for almost 20 years. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm kind of one of these guys that just brute force it's my way into getting things done and my my youngest son because we're we're very fortunate we're able to homeschool with our circumstances and uh he with it with the exception of probably a handful of hunts he's hunted every single time i've driven driven over to the woods he's been with me and nice. so he wouldn't have been able to do that if he took a gun tag and shot a gun shot a buck you know early quick right he is, he's put his time in and he has become a really good woodsman i mean i I would put him up against a lot of people. He's fourteen. Well, he's yeah, he's a uh, he's they turned fifteen this year. No, he's fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. And uh he uh I'd put him up against a lot of people finding you know, sign and scouting and figuring out the wind and thermals and he spends a lot of time watching Dan Infault on YouTube and hunting beasts and <laughs> it's 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 really cool to watch him become a, a really good woodsman. But and but I attribute a lot of that to his desire to be an archer and to be a bow hunter because it puts him in the woods a whole lot more yeah yeah um it's so it's weird because you see you see a lot more flack i feel like anyway towards crossbow hunters than you do gun hunters really um i don't know why that is but the gun hunting for me it doesn't bother me like i i love it it's fun uh a lot of times my gun hunting success well my one time anyway uh comes out west i've never killed any of my big deer with a gun would i yeah. hell yeah but 
I'm either tagged out beforehand or yeah. can't buy a, a good buck during gun season. Um, right. they're all, they're all bow kills, which I am proud of. Um, but I, I, I mean, I got no problem with a big boy stepping in front of me if I've got a muzzle loader or something, but, uh, I did kill a pronghorn with a rifle and oh, it? it was, uh, we were now a lot of people hear pronghorn. They're like, Oh yeah, that was tough. Wasn't super tough, but it was not what was advertised to me. I yeah. was told that we were going to be out there and done. And you know, there you go out there and you drive around and five one and shoot it. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. That's not how that worked. We draw drew a completely different unit. There were, uh, I believe two ways you could access that unit. Cause it's checkerboard BLM everywhere. Yeah. And, um, we were four and a half miles in and I killed my pronghorn and I, have you killed one? I, I have killed one. Okay. Yeah, so they're like a yearling doe, basically like yeah. they're yep, tiny they are, animals. Almost pick it up and throw it over your shoulders. And carry yeah. It the yeah. But, uh, so that was nice because while I still, you know, I feel like I could have done just about any animal, but um, I, I got to thinking, I'm like, man, you know, with all the meat and the hide and everything from this, I couldn't imagine if this was a, like a big mule deer buck or, yeah. you know, even crazier, an elk. Right. Um, even though it was a super easy walk, I, we used a ridge system to get through there, but it was mountainous and everything. Like it was nothing <laughs> that I thought of when thinking about pronghorn. I'm thinking about flat prairie lands and driving yeah. around in a truck and, that was not how it went. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think there, I think you can get into all kinds of different scenarios with pronghorns. You know, you can sit in a blind with them. You can spot and stalk. You can decoy them. If I ever go back after one again, I think I'd want to go back, you know, during the rut and yep. decoy one in with my bow. And I, you know, your your odds of success are you know greatly diminished, but I, I think it would be a blast to go after. How one cool would one. it be though? You yeah, know. it would be super cool to have a buck just rutted up and charged with wide-eyed, you know. Yeah, when do fun. they do they rut in September? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, okay. I'm not a I'm not an antelope expert at all. I've okay. been one. I mean, in fact, it was the only guided hunt I've ever done. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I've I've killed triple digits big game animals now over the course of my career with my bow. They've all been public land. They've all been archery. Uh, all been over the counter do it yourself, uh, including a couple elk. But the antelope hunt was my one guided hunt. Uh, it was back when I was heavily involved with Bowtech, and and there was a group of staffer guys that, that wanted to go out there together. And I was like, yeah, I kind of wanted to do, kind of hang out with the guys. And sure. And, and there was a couple guys that I was good friends with, and and we had a blast. We, we had a good time. But it, it, again, it was almost like the gun kill early on down in Alabama when I shot the doe with you know with the forty four mag, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I'll ever do that again. I, it's kind of the same thing as, you know, I, I probably would do a bear hunt, you know, that was guided because they're just so, you know, it's, you just can't really go with scout bear when you don't, sure. live by the, you know, if yeah. I lived in bear country, it'd be different, but living in the Midwest and Missouri, I, right. I'd probably do a guided hunt for bear. But as far as any of the other things like that, I, I don't know. I don't think that's probably, that was my one and done with that situation too. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny you say that. There, there again, there's another like perspective convo yeah. though. Like I've done one guided hunt as well. It was for turkeys and it was just, Hey, you want to come turkey hunt with us? And 
you know, show people our place on your page or whatever. I'm like, yeah, cool. I, it was hilarious because uh, the girl, they sent a girl with me as my guide and (laughs) she had no idea how to set the decoys up. So I'm like, Hey, we want to, they were all like, like eight inches apart from each other. And I'm like, Hey, we need to spread these out and we need to do that. You know, let's have the Jake mount the hen and like, let's, let's make this look realistic. And they're like, they look like a three-year-old set them up with one inch of the stake sticking in the ground. They're all like pointing every which way. I'm like, all right, let's fix this up. So we're sitting there and I hear the turkeys gobbling on the roost. So I, I gave them a little bit and uh, threw them a couple of calls and you could tell, you know, it's least ground. Nobody hunt, nobody's hunted there all year. Nobody hunts there ever. Um, They came right in. Like I called them right in right off the roost shot the bird. You know, he strutted all the way at like 150 yards all the way into the decoy shot him. And I'm like, damn, I don't know. I was just, I mean, Still had a little bit of excitement, but it just wasn't, you know, it was just different. Um, but I could also see where going to hang out with the guys on like kind of a more of a vacation, right? Like my buddy, uh, you probably seen uh, Josh Luck. Um, he goes down with some friends here and there to Oklahoma and Texas, and his last one was Texas. And uh, that was sweet. So no, that so I think you're nope. thinking of you. You might think of a guy that was on our team, uh, uh, Josh uh, Fox. Um, mm. He's he's not okay. on our team anymore. Josh okay. Luck went down there and killed. I don't know what it score. I don't I don't know if I've seen the deer or not, but we'll call it a 115 inch eight pointer. Yeah. Nothing crazy, nothing that you know you're crying over either. But um, I was like, man, you paid all that money to go kill that deer. Well. When I saw the footage, I'm like, eh, that'd be kind of cool. Like there's deer everywhere. Yeah. It's like you're at the zoo. And then of course they eat good and just, you know, drink and do whatever. Um, so it sounds like it'd be fun, but I don't know if it's like two grand fun. Like I could buy a lot of elk tags and well, not a lot, but I could buy like an elk tag, a muley tag, a couple of whitetail tags. We could do a lot of stuff with two G's, but, uh, yeah. I can see it, but, um, so anywho, let's let's talk a little bit about mobile hunting. So yeah. I'm pretty confident that I already know, but what was your first mobile setup? Well, it was that steel climber that I alluded to. Literally, I think it was ah, okay. sports. Yeah, I literally uh, from from day well, it was a steel climber, but then right after that, um, I bought well, I, I hunted for a few years of that steel climber, and, and then I went to uh, Cranford screw-in tree steps and and a uh, aluminum hang-on that had zero adjustability. It was made down in Louisiana <laughs> by a guy. They actually were really nice, other than the fact that it couldn't adjust for the lean of a tree. Uh, it was a company called Staghorn. They're completely out of business. Um, I bought it. I bought. I think I bought one to start with, but. I carried a pouch on the side of my belt. I actually had a, like an HS strut, and I don't even know if they were even in existence back then. I mean, I'm talking, you know, mid-90s or so, uh, but it was like a wide nylon belt, and it had a pouch, and I would put 9 or 11, it was always an odd number, 
either nine or 11 Cranford screw rim tree steps. And I hunted after I left the, the, uh, the steel climber, I hunted with those. And once I figured out that, man, you know, the, the climber was limiting, right? I mean, I had to find a yep. telephone pole tree, no limbs. It, this one squeaked. I, I missed a deer one time because I pivoted and the whole thing squeaked on me. About, I about went ballistic after that. And I think that's what prompted me to, to buy the uh, the Cranford screw in strips. And I hunted for you know a number of years uh, with Cranford screw in strips steps and the uh, the hang on, and uh, and then a little bit after that, I uh, actually I was on Summit's pro staff for for a number of years. I actually got to take a tour of their their factory and Mr. Waller, the lab coat guy. Some of the guys remember that commercial when he was wearing a, a white coat. Gave me a personal tour of that and and. Uh, I hunted out of a summit and, and for summit for, for a few years. And uh, then I went to a lone wolf alpha hand climber. And uh, that was what I was hunting out of for the last decade or so until, until I discovered saddle hunting. And, uh, and now I've been, you know, I've been in a saddle and that whole setup for about five years or so. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's really, it's really exploded. So you, when you first got into saddle hunting, what was your setup? Well, um, when I first got into it, I, I had a, so I actually, the way I got into it, you know, I, I do a, you know this, I do a lot of writing for outdoor magazines. I, uh, I got a hold of Peterson's bow hunting. I was interested in, in, in checking it out, but it was a little expensive. And uh, I had a buddy who was showing me all of his equipment and everything. And I thought, you know what, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw this out there to the, to the editor that I worked with. And, and I proposed an idea of doing a feature story for, for uh, Peterson's bow hunting. And, uh, he, he loved the idea, shut, you know, gave me the okay and, and, uh, told me to go for it. And so at that point, there were really only two manufacturers in the game at that point was tethered and arrow hunter. And I shot both of them an email, told them what I was doing, who I was, and they both sent me a kit. So, uh, Greg Godfrey <laughs> sent me a, a, a Mantis kit. And, uh, and Sophia Sparks sent me a, a, a Kestrel kit. And so I had one of each and I showed pictures of me and, and that equipment in, in that magazine. And so I started off hunting out of both of those. Uh, I actually preferred the, the Kestrel a lot better. It was a little bit more comfortable saddle. Uh, ended up hunting more, more that year out of the Kestrel. And then uh, I, I found out about Wild Edge Steps. And I hunted with Wild Edge Steps for a, for a couple of years, probably. And I ended up doing some work for that company from a marketing perspective. Was actually a, a legitimate employee and on their payroll, and uh, worked for them for for about a year, probably. And uh, so I was hunting out of Wild Edge Steps in a in a Arrow Hunter Kestrel for the first year, year and a half. Wow, that's pretty cool. So before you found out about Wild Edge Steps. Were you doing sticks? Well, I transitioned straight from my lone wolf hand climber to the wild edge steps. Uh, okay. So, yeah, okay. I start, when I started saddle hunting, okay. I started with wild edge steps. Okay. Yeah, All right. Day one. All right. And uh, there's still a lot of videos of me showing people how to how to tie a wild edge knot and how to you know how to climb with them on wild edge's YouTube channel. Uh, it's funny I hadn't been on that channel in a long in a couple years. And I actually went back and, and looked at one of my old videos there, and there was a there was a comment down there and said, "Hey, isn't this the stacks in the wall guy?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Funny. Yeah. So now, some may or may not know, but 
one Greg Staggs may or may not be a huge proponent of one sticking. Just slightly. Just slightly. Just slightly. Yeah, I uh I, I had you know I started off with the with a lot of steps and they weigh a pound a piece. So you know you want to go, you know, you spread them out two feet apart, you know, you want to get twenty foot high, that's ten steps. You know, two feet apart, ten steps, that's ten pounds. That's quite a bit. So in and of themselves, they really don't make a lot of sense in today's time. You know, now we have all these lightweight aiders and all this yep. stuff and, and all that. So, but people were doing that. That's what I was doing. I was carrying 10 steps in the, into the woods to get 20 foot high. Well, it didn't take me too long to realize that was, that was, that was a non-starter. You know, that was, that was a no-go for me. So then I started looking into, I discovered naders and suaders and I, yep. I became the nader suader dude. I had all kinds of videos on, on how to use that and everything. But very honestly, naders and suaders is a little bit sketchy and uh, especially on the way down. And so this is before the advent of rappelling down. And now that we, you know, we'll get into all this here in a little bit, but uh, you know, you natered and suadered up, you natered and suadered down and, and man in the dark it, when you know it was cold in December, no, late November, it was sketchy. And, and I had a buddy at that time who had really had got into one sticking big time. And he, he was the same buddy who got me into saddle hunting and uh, named Scott Hesterly. And, and Scott was, he and I had been friends for a long time. And uh, he would send me texts all the time, like, man, you, you know, he, this and that about one sticking and this, this one sticking, that one sticking. I'm like, I just wasn't into it. I couldn't see it. And he's like, dude, you're going to hurt yourself on that Nader Swader thing one day. He goes, you need to check this out. And I, I pulled up a couple videos and, and specifically one I looked at and I literally shot him a message and I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. That's the same thing. I, that's the I same mean, thing. I said. This video, I'm like that dude, it took him 35 or 40 minutes to get up in a tree. He was, oh. I mean, it just looks, I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he goes, dude, just trust me. And I'm like, dude, I saw it with my own eyes. Oh, I don't even trust you. I saw it. And fortunately, I invited him uh, to come hunt with me uh, last year. And so early, it was late October, early November, he came and he brought his setup. And at that point, we had kind of started looking at different things. I was actually started using some sticks at that point. I was done with a Nader sweater. I it was like, man, I am probably going to hurt myself at some point. I mean, and I was good at it. I mean, I, I'm fairly athletic. And, uh, but I decided to just abandon that. And I went to sticks and, uh, I was, I was starting to experiment a little bit Well, my son went to the brand new Shakars that had come out at that point and they were foldable and everything. And we would go, we would, you know, he was hunt, hunting with me and we would go somewhere and I would hunt four or five, 600 yards away from him. And I would pack up all my sticks, everything. By the time I came to the base of his tree, he's still folding up those shikars. He was struggling with them so bad, trying to get them all folded up and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's when Scott said, let me show your son how to one stick. It's going to help him so much just from a, from a pack packability standpoint of sure. just, just packing up at the end of the night. I'm like, okay. And so the video that has really, honestly, and I'm not trying to toot my horn or my, my channel's horn, but the video that really launched one sticking was an accident. If you want to, if you believe it or not, Scott was over at my house and he said, he said, come on, Gabe, we're going to go out back. I'm going to show you how to one stick. And I fortunately had the foresight to grab a little handy cam 
and and I and I was doing it not I was not intending on making a, a video for my YouTube channel. I was doing it because I knew Scott was just here on vacation hunting with me for a little bit. And if he's gonna share all this information with us, I'm like, I wanna capture it so that when he's gone, if I have questions, yeah, I can go back and watch it for my own it was for my own use. Yep. And and so I happened to just video Scott showing my son how to one stick and I'm like, this is legit. I mean, once he started, I started seeing it in person with my own eyes, and he did it different than the video I'd seen that I pulled up on YouTube and seen before, where the guy struggled and did all this. Sure. Scott, Scott's was so much easier. He moved and up like, and down pretty, pretty fluid. Very fluid. Very, you know, three moves. He was up to twenty foot high in in eight, nine, ten minutes. Yeah. And then rappelling down, and I'm like, okay, this this is legit. This has got some merit to it. And, and fortunately, I, you know, I, I had the footage there and I just made a little intro explaining why I thought it was such a good deal, put it out there on my channel. And I don't know, it's 85, 90,000 views now, something like that. And literally there's not anybody who, you know, talks about one sticking without mentioning that video. And, and sure. said it wasn't anything special. I just had the foresight to grab the handicam when we went out in the backyard, you know, right. thank God. And, but, but then I did, but kind of start pouring myself into it. And, you know, I've done a lot of follow-up videos and, you know, I, that was early November and, you know, our season doesn't end until January 17th. And I almost hunt every single night of the season. You know, there's probably a handful of times I'm not in a tree. And this is, you know, this was one of them that we scheduled this and it rained and it was a perfect, right. a perfect storm for us. Yep. But I have been in a tree probably 30 of the last 35 days. So, and the reason I say that is because that year when I started one stick, I mean, I started one sticking right off the bat and, you know, I did with all the demos and the everything else that I do and the videos I shoot and the explanations and everything. You, you throw it this year, I've probably been in a tree a hundred days already this year. I probably one stick two to 250 times already, you know? So a lot of people start looking at me as from my expertise and all the experience sure. that I've got and, and it helps. I mean, I've probably encountered about every situation one sticking, with that much time in a tree, I probably encountered every scenario that you can think of. Yeah. And, and just to uh, throw this out here now, even though we will at the end of the podcast, tell everybody about your channel real quick, kind of plug that. Yeah. So my channel is called Stags in the Wild. It's just S-T-A-G-G-S. That's my last name, Greg Stags. And, With the you baddest know, I, damn I intro. <laughs> I love it. Where'd you get that? What's that? Stags How, in the Wild? No. Where'd you get the stag growling. Oh, you know what? So <laughs> that that's a story in itself, man. Uh, I've got a I've got a guy that I know that does like video work and editing work and stuff professionally. And I went to him. I wanted I wanted this thing of I wanted this big hammer and stamp coming in and stamping stags in the wild and all this stuff. And we're sitting at a coffee shop and he's like, I can do this. And he started throwing out this figure of like thousands of dollars to do this <laughs> intro for me. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm like, dude, this is like a little hobby YouTube channel. I mean, I'm not even looking at making money off of it or anything. You know, I'm like, this is, you know, I'm like, I would be in the red for a long time paying you two or three thousand for, you know, sure. for an intro video thing. And, uh, and he starts pulling up these stuff and he just, he, googled stag red stag roar or something we started looking through all this stuff i'm like there that one and he, it was a public domain thing and and uh so we ended up just talking for a while he ended up not doing his like he basically is like well there's your idea 
take it and run with it. He wasn't going to do any work for me because I wasn't going to pay him three or four five thousand dollars right. for some control thing. But I went home and pulled up that same website that he found that red stag on, and you could buy it for sixty nine dollars, I think. And so I bought it, and it just spits. It he roars four times, which was absolutely perfect for me to put stags in the wild yep. every time he roared like he was spitting it out. Yep. And I just got lucky on it. And uh, yeah, it works out really well. And, and now I'm, you know, I've, I actually had a, a good friend of mine, actually Scott's wife, Scott, who showed me how to how to one stick, right? Mm-hmm. His wife owns a company called One Stringer, and they do phenomenal arrow wraps and all kinds of stuff. Oh, in the okay. Industry. So if you ever if you get on my YouTube channel and you see me wearing all this One Stringer stuff, and I do it on purpose for a couple different reasons. I watched a a interview a long time ago with Luke Bryan one time and somebody asked him what hat he had on he said dude he goes if I wear someone's logo and you know let's say I wear a John Deere hat well I'm pissing off all the Case IH people right Mm -hmm. if I wear a Case IH hat I'm pissing off all the John Deere people he goes I wanted a neutral hat a neutral logo and he chose a, a logo from a buddy of his own, some company down in Georgia or wherever he's from, right? And it's just a non-neutral, non, sure. but that's the hat he wears on tour, right? Yep. I thought, you know what, that's a great idea. And so I chose One Stringer because, you know, I, I've done reviews on my channel of various manufacturers and I've worked with this person and that person. And I didn't want to have a, you know, a specific logo on of somebody who, you know, one stringer is just arrow wraps and it's a friend's company. My buddy's wife runs the company. They do a phenomenal job of arrow wraps and, and other things out there. They, we've actually got low, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll have things printed out and put on your wall and your living room or stuff. They, they can do that kind of stuff. They do all kinds of stuff, but I chose to wear the majority of my clothing in all my videos that I do is one stringer kind of basically from Luke Bryan's premise of, hey, I want a non-neutral thing that doesn't, you know, doesn't tick anybody off, and that's kind of what it is. So, All right. um, anyway, like so so M- Mindy, who owns One Stringer, is actually taking that red stag and the stags of the wild font that I use on my YouTube channel and and designed me a new logo. And you've probably seen that I've posted a couple of videos here recently. I've, I've got arrow wraps now. Uh, I've got a shirt on the way, a hat, some cool stuff. So it's going to nice. be a cool year. I'll be wearing some of that stuff in my uh, on my videos here this year. Awesome. I'm going to have to contact them and see if I can get me some wraps made up. They are the company to do it, man. They get are. some Fueled by the Outdoor stuff awesome going. Stuff. Yep. Cool. If you're anything like us, you love running trail cameras. Recently, we started using the new R4G and R4K by Blackgate Hunting Products, and I've got to tell you guys, they are sweet. The R4G is the new cellular camera loaded with features such as the ability to send pictures and videos straight to your mobile device, free HD downloads for both pics and videos, near real-time in-app setting updates, and no-glow IR technology. The R4K is a scouting camera that boasts side motion sensors that help you capture crystal clear 32 megapixel photos and 4K videos in center frame. With a maximum SD capacity of 512 gigabytes, that's right, 512 gigabytes, you'll have plenty of room to hold all those 4K videos and high resolution pictures. 
Blackgate supports this podcast, so we are asking you to support them. When you go to buy cameras, use the promo code FUELED to receive 10% off your order. That's FUELED, F-U-E-L-E-D, at blackgatehunting.com. So it's funny hearing you talk about times when it comes to this one sticking because right around that eight to nine minute mark is that 18 to 22 foot, you know, depending, of course it's depending on the tree. I mean, that's what people get caught up in this height and time limit and all this. And I'm like, dude, if I'm 13 feet up and I feel like this is where I need to be, that's where we're sitting. Uh, we're not you know, my biggest deer. My biggest deer was 167 and four eighths. I killed him eight foot off the ground because that's where the cover was. Exactly. Like, yep. I'm not trying to just get to 20 feet because you got to be 20 right. feet. Exactly. Um, I'm exactly. looking at the way the thermals and winds and everything are rolling, and I'm looking at cover and all that. Yep. And now, oh, it's so nice because when you one stick up that tree and you're in a saddle, you, you've got the tree in between you and the deer a lot of times and I don't want to be like captain fanboy of it or anything, but I'm watching it work. I I have deer and and don't get me wrong. You know, I don't want to play into the hex suit crap where you have something happen once and they're like, Oh my God, buy it. But at the same rate, you know, yes, I've had deer look right at me, you know, when I'm in a stand or whatever um, and not, be able to figure me out but i mean we're talking about being in a a tree that's like five six inches in diameter and i'm straddling it and a doe is underneath me and she's like what in the hell is that (laughs) and not blowing yeah and then they they go on and that you know i'm describing what happened when i killed my buck this year actually and i couldn't believe it because i she comes right to me with the buck behind her. And I'm like, Oh my God, here we go. Here we go. She's going to see me and she's going to blow. And she never, she never even looked at me. And I mean, I'm pretty obvious. I'm not exactly a small guy. I'm like, uh, I don't know at the time, 215 pounds and I'm in this little tree. So it's not like you can't see the gigantic piece of oblong burl in the tree and uh she never did make a sound or anything now she did bust once i drew my bow but it it was over by then um but it's just it's really cool and um it always blows my mind because uh i i had the same reaction even when i watched your video i'm like man i just don't know i I don't know i don't know if i can do that like that kid is a kid this dude, this dude's athletic, you know, like yeah. he's, these people are thin, uh, you know, the, the kid's small. I'm like, that probably isn't going to work for me. And I tried it. Um, I did it once without repel gear. <laughs> that, was oh, a, God. that was a suck. Yeah. That sucked so bad. Yeah. If you watch that video that we're talking about, you know, Scott, Scott says there's, there's three rules of one sticking. And, you know, one, one of them is you got to have a cam cleat. Uh, you know, yeah. number two is you've got to have a multi-step aider. 
and number three is you've got to repel down. That you, that's a must. If you're trying to one stick back down, oh my yeah. god, yeah. that sucks. And you're that really, I mean, you're kind of eliminating what's so great about it because you go yeah. up and and what's funny too is people, you know, at the beginning of what we'll call my one sticking career, which just started this year, but uh-huh. I thought. Man, if I could just be if if it just took me five minutes longer to get up, I can beat you down every time, you know, yeah, with sticks and a stand. So um I took a buddy deer hunting a couple weeks ago and just flat out like I was up, I was 25 feet up, uh, because I was filming, I wasn't hunting. I took him yeah. onto one of my properties and uh I was way up in that tree. It, it might've been closer to like 28 feet. The tree was rocking pretty good. And I sat there and sat there and sat there waiting. I'm like, damn, man. I like, I don't know if this guy is a little slower or if this is just how long, like, I think this is just what life is like with four sticks and a stand. It is. And, it Cause is. I remember being like, man, it seems like it takes me a while. So now, yeah. which I know you understand really well, you know, with film gear and everything, yeah. uh, you know, I figure between 10 and 15 minutes to get up there and get my bow set up and everything. And then another 10 minutes to get filming yeah. stuff set up. But, yeah. um, so how high are you normally going when you're one sticky? Normally I'm probably about 21 ish somewhere through there or something like that. Um, I'll, I like most of the times I'll end up three really good, strong, hard moves, which puts okay. me 18, 19, 20, somewhere through there. Yep. Um, there's, there's a lot of times, um, I, I'll, I'll probably, I'd say it's probably about a 60, 40 split between me going three moves to, to four moves. And if okay. I'm going four moves, that's putting me a good 25, uh, but that's, that's terrain dependent and, sure. you know, if I'm just nor- normal, probably good three moves is 18, 19, 20-ish, somewhere through there. So That's- do you feel like you run into – and I know everybody's situation's different, so yours mm-hmm. isn't going to be like mine and so on and so forth. Sure. But with the crazy leaning trees, uh, you know, we'll talk about um, where I see them as on the edges of lakes, creeks, uh, yeah. rivers. Um, and then, of course – on the edges of fields. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like at that point you're taking a platform or a stand with you? You know, so last, last year in the beginning of this year, I was hunting off a little flat scout on top of my ultimate one stick, you know, and that's, that's a very minimalist platform on top yeah. of your one stick. Um, about halfway through the year, I started hunting off an ultimate platform that Eastern Woods Outdoors makes. And it's quite a lot bigger. And so good example was two nights ago, not last night, two nights ago, uh, I think I texted you that I had one of my two target bucks that I've been chasing all year long. Yeah. I was actually hunting a field edge. I've got a buddy. I put four deer in the freezer this year already. So we're pretty much full now. Um, I, I've got a buddy that saw my post. That I killed my fourth deer and he goes, Hey, can you shoot me one? And you know, I, I'm buying the tag. It's all legal, but I'm giving him the deer, you know? Right. Uh, and, and so I'm like, yeah, next, next deer I, I shoot, 
you can have it for, you know, it'll go in your refrigerator. And so I was actually sitting on a field edge close to an area that I, I knew my target bucks were, but I was actually targeting those. And uh, I was sitting at the field edge and I went up with my ultimate one stick with my ultimate platform, which is a lot larger. And that tree that I climbed because I was hunting a field edge, the tree went up and I climbed it as far as I could up straight. And then it took about a 35 degree, almost a 40 degree angle <laughs> off to the right. My tether was girth hitched around the tree about five foot from me. And I actually had a, a picture on my Facebook. Uh, actually, I think I posted Saddle Hunter Nation or something. Yeah. But the tether was all the way, the, 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 the quick link was way around to the left, like way off there. And that's because the tree leaned so bad, I had to rotate the girth so I wouldn't fight it. And I've actually got a video on my channel about don't fight your tether. Spin the whole freaking thing around so that it holds you right. Well, I was having to do that that two nights ago, and my target buck came out, and I watched him for an hour, and he got within 35 yards of me, but he was behind the canopy of leaves. I could see him really perfectly. Never got a shot at him. Um, oh, it was it was so it was frustrating, and it was incredible at the same time. You know, right. seeing a big, huge buck like that, he's just out there. I mean, I could hear him pulling grass out of the field. You know. It was Man. a cut bean field and, and it was just grass. He was that close. I could hear him ripping it up like you can horses, you know. Um, but the point of that whole story was I was standing on the ultimate platform where the trunk was straight. Then it took a severe turn off. My, my you know, tether was five foot away from my head straight out pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was able to do that without a platform. Um, do you feel like you could have killed that deer had oh, you been on set up perfectly for him? I mean, if he'd walked 10 more steps out, out, I had tension on the string. In fact, his little running buddy was a spike, walked right out and came down below me. And I was like, I mean, I was having to watch every move I make because of that. But yeah, if that deer would have walked out, I mean, he was coming out. I was set up so that my strong side, I mean, I was looking right down the fence road away from him, actually okay. behind me. So you don't feel like being in a saddle and or on a one stick platform hindered you in no, killing no, I've that deer? Killed, I've killed one, two, I've killed three decent bucks off of a one stick platform and probably a dozen does off at least off of a one stick platform since I started one sticking a year and a half ago. Okay. So yeah, I've, uh, I haven't killed a monster buck yet, uh, but decent ones. So I've yeah. killed three decent ones. Um, because actually, I guess I started, I said a year and a half uh, last November, I guess it was two Novembers ago now when Scott came, because it's been, because I killed one, eh, I don't know, maybe it was last, but anyway, I've killed three, three decent bucks off of uh, one second setups. Okay. You yeah, don't feel like in that, that current situation, you weren't hindered in any way? Not at all. Other than not being able to get a shot due to leaves, yeah, canopy? Yeah, the overhanging limbs, you know, preventing an ethical shot, you know, I mean, did I, you know, did I search for a hole and <laughs> think maybe I could squeeze it through? Uh, yeah, right. of course I did. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a human, but uh, I, I had already decided that it wasn't an ethical shot. But, but yeah, if that deer would have stepped out from behind the canopy that was overhanging, oh, it, I don't, I had to, I had the text dirty form picked out already. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've run into a few situations where the way I needed to be facing was not basically I needed to face against, I needed to be on the side. The tree was leaning 
to right. face. You know what I mean? Yep. And so yep, that's where that's where I'm wondering. Uh, and when you have the severe leaners uh, with uh, even it, so I either needed to be on the side that it was leaning, which it's uh-huh. reaching out over a creek. So yeah. you know how and there's sycamore trees. So I could either be on that lean side or on one of the actual sides of the tree, I guess, um, the way the stream's running. And if you put a stick on that, you know, it's not like a stand where you can go last tooth or something. Um, so how do you, how do you combat that? And I mean, is that something you run into? Yeah. You know, it has, because you can't always predict the direction the deer is going to come in from. Right. And and so the way I I always set up, in fact, that's actually going to be my next video on my channel. Uh, I get a lot of private messages and and DMs on Instagram uh, about, you know, (laughs) how do you set up on, on a leaner or, you know, so actually my next video is going to be about how to, how to set up on a leaner and, and how to go over limbs. I can't believe how many people ask me how do you go over limbs? I'm like, just like you would with six, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I always set up on the top side of a leaning tree and, and I yep. actually, I, I actually look for a slightly leaning tree. I, I don't like a perfectly straight up and down tree. I, I want it to have five to 10 degree lean to it. If, if, if I'm picking a perfect tree, if it's, you know, if I've got two trees side by side, one's perfectly straight up, one's got a five to 10 degree lean on it. I'm taking the one with a five to 10 degree. It's more comfortable to me, but I'm climbing the, I'm climbing the top of the lean, the very top. My son, we've actually had this discussion, my 14 year old who has has just as much one sticking experience as I have. The one that I said is becoming a really good outdoorsman. He actually likes going on the underside of a, of a slightly lean tree like that. He says it's really easier for him. I, to me, that would be fighting gravity. You know, you're fighting sure. the whole, I, I, all I got to do is balance myself if I'm on the top side. Well, and add a so, hundred pounds to him and yeah, you right. probably change his mind. <laughs> he probably will. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like a very slight lean and I want to stay on the very top side of it. And then that's where the, the benefit of the ultimate platform, the UP that, and I, it's got the angle on it. Now they're, they're about to launch. I wouldn't say this if they hadn't already put pictures of it out there. They're about to launch a flat UP. Yeah. Um, but, but the original one has an angle to it. Well, I use that angle to my advantage so that if you've got a slight lean and then obviously you have to, to your point, you, there is no adjustment for a lean tree with the ultimate one stick. You know, you have to put it on there solid and make sure it doesn't kick out on you, right? Yep. And so there's no adjustment. So if you're on a slight lean and then you've got the ultimate ultimate platform coming out, it's got an angle on it that normally would be built in for perfectly for leaners, right? As a saddle hunter, you lean, you're either, you're either a sitter or a leaner predominantly. And yep. so it's that angle is built for leaners, which I am, but I can use that to my advantage if I'm on a leaning tree, that angle now is almost more flat and straight up and down. So you can stand straight up and down on the angled part of the UP. The, oh, the cruiser okay. speaker platform would be almost the exact same way. You yeah. know, it's the other platform that's out there that's got an angle on the front front edge of it. Yeah. But uh but yeah I use the UP on my ultimate one stick to to stand up straight on a severely leaning tree. And okay. then you just gotta kind of balance yourself and make sure you don't completely fall off right so what happens so let's talk about my situation where 
I basically can only be on the top side of that tree, mm. but then that's where the deer are coming from. What are you going to do in that situation? So they'd be coming from your weak side? You're no, saying? they'd be coming from behind me. From behind you? Yes. So I would, I would just pivot around a 180 degree, almost a drop shot without, you know, but keep tension on your tether, but use the angle of the UP to turn around and, and pivot around 180 degrees for your, you know, if you're, if your lean is directly away from the deer and they're coming from directly between your shoulder blades from directly behind you, right. then I would move my foot to the left and pivot around and you'd, you'd be shooting directly away from the tree but yeah that's where that benefit of that you that angle on that up really comes in handy because you could stand on a flat surface and sure behind you. so you're just basically i mean that sounds like it'd be kind of uncomfortable looking behind yourself for three or four hours though don't you think well if you look that way oh i'm talking about yeah so yeah so I'm, I'm talking, talking about that <laughs> yeah so so yeah, if, if you, because I'm talking about just pivoting and turning for the shot. Um, yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to set up and if you're going to just sit there and look that way all the time, because a lot of times what I do is rely on my hearing a lot more. Yeah. I will, I will turn and look and kind of, you know, maybe kind of pivot and just stay a quarter of the way turned or something as much as I can without right. turning 180 degrees. And, you know, of course, then you're taking a chance, you know, something may slip in on you a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's where I, I kind of maybe stay a quarter of the way turned where I'm not totally uncomfortable. You know, you could, if you wanted to, if, if you felt confident enough to stand on that small UP at that point, you could just take your tether and flip it all the way over your shoulder, right? And turn, ah. turn it be standing like a tree stand if the tree wasn't severely angled. But I've done that before too, where Pull, ratchet your tether up, pull it up tight, whether you're using a mad rock or conduct or, or, you know, a distal hitch or whatever, but pull it tight, turn completely around the tree, put your back to the tree and pull your tether where it's coming right up over, right beside your neck, right over your shoulder. Okay. And then you can stand there and you can draw, you can turn. It's almost like you're tree sand hunting at that point. The tether's just coming from your bridge, right up your belly button, right beside your neck, right over your shoulder. And you can stand with your back against the tree at that point. Okay. That's pretty solid, actually. Might have to try that out. That's the only problem with that particular spot. The deer are only yeah. coming from one place, and I can't face that place. You'll be amazed at how comfortable that is. Just take that bridge and pivot underneath it. Grab it with your hand and hold it and rotate up underneath the tether yep. and let it rest on your shoulder and go up above you and and you can actually lean out against your tether yep. if you want to it's it's a really comfortable position you know it's funny i and i might do that this summer when it, when it heats up again a lot of guys make a post on the forums you'll see all the time how do you pee out of a saddle believe it or not that's very exactly simply how I, that's exact no there's questions all over the boards how do you pee out of a saddle how do you pee out of a saddle that's exactly how i pee out of a saddle believe it or not i yeah. turn rotate and get the tether out of my way, and then you're free to do your business. Yeah. If you're trying to hang like you would as a leaner or doing a drop shot or a 360, if you're trying to hang and pee off a saddle, yeah, you're, you're getting yourself wet. Yeah. <laughs> but if you stand straight up, turn your back against the tree, put your tether over your right shoulder or left shoulder, I, it's the right shoulder for me. 
then you you can stand there and you can take a 180 drop shot without having to do the fancy like you see you know let's try when we're trying to show off and you know put our knee up against the tree and all that it's an easy way to do it just wanted to take a second to tell you about all our other content if you're on facebook head on over to the field by the outdoors facebook page we currently have over 18,000 members of people who love the outdoors, from the mobile hunter all the way to the hiking enthusiast. Come interact and talk all things outdoors with a robust community of people. Fan of product reviews, fishing, hunting videos? Go check out the Fueled by the Outdoors YouTube channel. If there's any topic or content you would like for us to cover, just send us a message. And if you like what you're seeing and hearing, then hit that join or subscribe button. We hope all our content fuels your passion for the outdoors. So kind of segueing into that, um, when it comes to deer that you've taken, how often do you have to take a weak side shot versus a strong side shot? Fortunately, it's been fairly rare. I have taken a couple, uh, I've, but I'd say 90% of them have either been directly behind me or in front or to my strong side. I've only okay. killed two or three deer probably off to the, my weak side. Uh, one I remember specifically, I, I took and I crossed my bridge, just like uh, Jacob Emery is a, is a friend of mine. He's got a great, great uh, YouTube channel called DO3 Outdoors. And he killed a buck a couple episodes ago where he actually crossed his bow over the top of his yep. bridge to, to shoot it. Uh, so I've done that. And then I've also done the thing where I literally rotated 270 degrees around and uh, you around know, the tree. Uh, no, just in, I, I kept ah, my feet on the platform so you did and I, I, did. I rotated from my strong side to my drop shot all the way to my weak oh, side. Oh, okay. Make the shot. Okay. So, so for those, for those of you listening that are not saddle hunters, the strong side for a right-handed shooter would be your left side that is you know the hand that your bow's in basically think of it like that now the weak side obviously would be the right side uh it's a little tougher for me i did something a little differently now also i didn't have uh big daddy stags right there in my ear when all this is happening so i had to kind of make it up as i went but this buck ran this doe down behind me from my left to my right and then they came up this embankment and I was only going to get a shot on my right. It wouldn't happen in any other way. And I took my left foot and put it where my right foot went and put my right foot where my left foot went and was basically on my toes, leaning out yeah. on, on my bridge and my, my tether. And, uh, that's how I was able to get my weak side shot. So my yeah. second time ever, drawing on a deer from a saddle and i had never even practiced out of a saddle before you know uh, you bring up a great point chris is that some in and this is something i'm gonna work with my own son on right this this off season coming up and he's been a saddle hunter for three plus years now right um because i got him in a saddle really early because he was struggling with a climber and there's a whole story there of why saddle hunting is so good for youth but getting back to the point where you just brought up that's such a good good thing for our listeners 
is that so many saddle people get into the saddle game. They're, they're gear nuts and aficionados. And they're, you know, it's one of the reasons why my YouTube channel is popular, right? Because I show a lot of people, you know, the, the gear and how to use it and all that stuff. Right. But the, the one part that's lacking in the saddle community is practicing shooting from a saddle. Yep. And, and it's one thing that I, I'm going to work hard with on my son this year is letting him get up and, and we may do some presets and just, you know, I've got a couple extra platforms from reviews. I've got a couple extra missions and a couple EDPs and we may just set them all up in trees in the backyard and with some, you know, trophy line mini doubles and he can just climb up there, clip on real quick. And I've got some 3D targets we'll set up for him and, you know, maybe throw a block out there or something at an unknown range, 20, 25, shoot it. You yep. know, and, and you let him, you know, pull the arrow and then throw it to another spot or whatever. But yeah, I think that, that is a myth. That's a weakness we have as a community, as a community of saddle hunters is practicing shooting from a saddle. Yep. And, uh, kind of going into another thing, you know, we've been talking a lot about this year's mobile hunters expo. Um, yeah. we're talking about doing a, uh, an archery shoot. That's all. I mean, it won't all be saddle shots, but not off the ground, basically. Yeah. Maybe off the ground, but from a stool, you know, because some of, I don't know if you do it at all, but I ground hunt from time to time. If that's what yeah. it calls for, sit two rows into a uh, standing corn, um, right. stuff like that. But um, I feel like if we can get the right supplies, uh, we're going to do a little archery course, but from the trees. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a fantastic idea. We had actually talked about it. A couple guys, we were looking at doing something like that a couple of years ago. And and uh, at the time, I, I I had a well, I was, actually I was sponsored for probably 15 years by a company called Paradigm, that is the parent company of Muzzy and Rage, and and they also own Glendale Block and Shooter Bucks and things like that. So yeah. I was thinking about reaching out to them and doing a very similar expo, uh, and it. I left the company by the time we, you know, we did it. So yeah. we never came to fruition, but uh, I think it's, it's fantastic because I think it would expose, it would open a lot of people's eyes to, you know, again, it's just the biggest weakness we have as a community. It, it, people don't practice enough. I agree. Um, I, it's funny being in the, on the competition side of things in the IBO, you got, y'all got ASA. Out yeah, we got, right? well, we've got both of the, we've got, got an IBO that comes to, uh, we've got an IBO that comes to, uh, oh God, the, Metropolis, Illinois. And that's only 50 miles away from us. Levi Morgan is Jeff Hopkins used to win all the time back in the day. If you remember him, he, Jeff so, was like the, you know, so now that's where ASA is now. Um, well, maybe it is an ASA event there. Yeah. Cause, okay. cause IBO is basically like, they don't go West as West yeah. as I've ever seen. I them, think you're right. It was is Indiana, a, yeah. Yeah. um, which, you know, they're both their own game, but anyways, I, I won't get yeah. too deep into That's, that. Um, right. <laughs> um, I talk about that stuff forever, but, uh, it's so crazy to dive down that rabbit hole and shoot mm -hmm. 15,000 arrows during the course of a, spring and summer and then you're i mean you're like fine-tuned when yeah. you get to deer season and you see these guys pull their bow out a week two weeks before season talk to the local archery shops they're slammed people people still i have a press 
and I'll have guys literally, you know, four days before the season. Hey, can you cut some arrows for, and I'm like, Oh my God, how do you live life? I couldn't do that. That's crazy. Like I've been in a pinch when stuff goes wrong, but that could not be my life every year. Getting strings a week before or two weeks before season. No way. Exactly. Yeah. I, I actually, so I, my strings on my bow right now are way past due changing, and I've got a brand new set that I got before the season started, and I just was a little leery of, you know, changing my whole setup yes. right before the season. Oh, yeah. I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm on fumes on these strings right now, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that'll be one of the first things I do come, you know, January 18th is put, put new there. strings on there. I was just reluctant to do it right in the middle, you know, right before the season started. What strings you like to shoot? I, I've got vapor trail strings on all vapor my trail. all my bows. Okay. And, uh, yeah, they've been really good good for me. Uh, the strings that like I said, I'm on fumes. Uh, these strings are probably seven years old, and I hunt a lot. Oh my gosh. And shoot, and uh, you know, I shoot year round, and I crawl through briars, and you know, they're frayed, and you know, they're not nicked, but they're frayed, and and uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, bow string wax is is <laughs> holding them together right now. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, I go through two sets a year. I, I, I think, I think I've went three years once, but that was before competition stuff. Yeah, when I was just hunting. Um, but now there's no way they last me seven years. My bow yeah. would blow up. Um, so we covered the one sticking. So with repelling, do you re- uh, bleh, do you prefer? the mad rock do you prefer a specialty knot so i do and and i'll be quick to say you know you know i made a follow-up video to that one sticking is so easy a 13 year old can do it right that's the one that you know has eighty thousand eighty five thousand views or whatever that that kind of started this whole craze i made a follow-up video to that one called one sticking the details and where i go through and i show how easy it is for a 52 year old guy to hang on the side of a tree and, and the one stick and everything. And I show alternative methods to the Mad Rock, right? I show a munter hitch and how to use a carabiner and, and a figure eight and all that stuff like that. So, you know, I, I want to preface my answer by saying I've never really pushed a Mad Rock, even though pretty much the whole sale community holds me responsible for this thing being sold out for <laughs> ever since that video launched. It really? Had. That, oh, the, ever since that video launched, you can't buy that video is what caused the Mad Rocks to go out of, out of stock everywhere. Wow. So, um, and it's cause, you know, we, we highlighted it and, and, you know, Scott using it and we mentioned, we called it out by name and people watch that video and they're like, Oh, so that's what I need. Right. Right. And, and you don't need that. And that's why I did the follow-up video showing the figure eights and the munter hitches and carabiners and all, you know, different, different ways of, of repelling down out of a tree. Now, so, so I want to say that I have not really ever pushed Mad Rocks, even though that video is responsible for them just being out. It's crazy. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I use the Mad Rock and I, I love it because I can use it as an ascender as like you would a Kong, Kong duck or a CT rolling lock or a Ropeman one, meaning you can, you can put, pull up on your, on your rope and the thing goes up, right? The whole device, the mechanical device yeah. goes up and then it locks into place and holds your weight wherever you move that ascender up to. Well, you can do the same thing with a Mad Rock. Then you can 
you can move it just a little bit and you can fine tune it while you're in your hunting scenario. I hunt off my, I have a lot of people send me questions and say, dude, do you hunt off that man rock too? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I climb with it. I hunt off of it. And then when I get ready to come down and I pack up, I repel with it. And so do you back it up at all? No, I do not. I, I've heard up. you're not supposed to hang front, like keep constant weight. Is that a thing or? Yeah, there's so it specifically calls out in the instructions not to put an auto block or or some kind of a you know a, like a prusik knot or something like that underneath it. It can get you know it can get sucked up in it and, and hurt it. Um, there's probably good ways to to back it up that are safer that would comply with instructions. If you really get a matter, and I'm not telling you not to to back it up. Please hear me. I'm not saying don't back up your equipment. I don't. Because um, if you look at a Madrock and the principle that it weighs, the way that it works on, it works on a binding principle. There's nothing mechanical in there that can fail. It simply binds the rope and your weight, your 180, 200, you mentioned 215, whatever you weigh. My son weighs 125, probably soaking wet, right? <laughs> he's got enough weight to force it to bind that rope on. And he's not even, I'll be honest with you, he's not even using an in-spec rope. I'm big about when people ask me questions, I'm big on telling people to use CIV or Canyon Elite. They're both nine yep. millimeter ropes, both available from Eastern Woods Outdoors. So you use Oplux. Off, off rest tech. Oh, and, okay. and it has been for all year long. He's been using an eight millimeter rope. Loves, loves, loves it. So he's he's 125 pounds soaking wet, not even using a rope that's in spec, and has plenty enough weight to bind that rope so it cannot slip on him. Yeah. Because what it does is the 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 principle that the the Madrock works on is it, it basically levers itself over and like I said captures the rope and binds it hard against itself. You cannot go anywhere until you pull that lever, and so there's nothing mechanical inside to break or anything like that. So I do not no I don't back it up at all. Okay, all right. I know I I might look at uh, trying to get a little better with uh, my rope management because of all that rope hanging or being in a pouch or whatever, mm -hmm. I just ascend with my tether. And then if I got to go around a limb, right. I get the big rope out to go around it or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, but again, I have extremely limited experience, but with what I do know, I know that the majority of the people, if they beat me up the tree with their sticks, you'll beat me by, 30 seconds or right. a minute yeah but when we go down yeah i know who's gonna win <laughs> unless yeah, you absolutely. fall <laughs> you're not beating me um and then you know when we walk in and out it's so nice that's the thing too and it's funny how much shit that saddle hunter any mobile guys really get they're like oh you want to cut weight oh you really honestly is it nice sure you know what's really nice going through a honeysuckle thicket yeah. and not having 65 feet of stand on my back or yeah. all these sticks and like not only is that annoying and wears you down more uh fatigues you in different ways but it's noisier than hell and yeah. you spook animals so uh i want to be stealthy but um yeah so up until about a month ago i was carrying my one stick which is 2.7 pounds my 40 foot of repel rope is 1.3 pounds. It was in a pouch on my side. And so I had my one stick in my left hand and my bow in my right. And that's how I went into the woods. 
Okay. Literally all I had. And so, you know, I literally, I was, if you take off my bow and my saddle, which I wear in and my saddle probably doesn't weigh two and a half pounds anyway, but if you take out my bow, four and a half, five pounds of gear. Wow. And, and that's how I walk into the woods for, you know, the first 50, 60 hunts this year. That's how I walked in the woods. Now, once it got colder and cold enough that I needed to be wearing a coat or a jacket, that's when I started, I started experimenting with a little, uh, little tiny, tiny backpack that I would strap my one stick to. And I put my rappel rope in the pouch in the, in the backpack and, and I put my knee pads in there and, and my jacket and that's it. So, uh, but the jacket is what brought on the, 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 the backpack. So sure. I put my knee pads in, in the, there and, and that's been really nice because then my hands are free because I've been going a lot of different spots this year, just really kind of on a whim, you know, pulling out on X and looking at a point on a map or just going and, you know, scouting hot sign and not really having a clue where I was going until I found, found a tree I liked or the sign I liked. And the, the thing about that is when I'm coming out in the dark, I have no clue where I was at, you know. And so it's nice to have my instead of being at, having to carry my stick in my hand and my bow in the other hand. Yeah. I have my phone in my hand with on X on and I can walk right back to my car. Yep. That, that's been a whole lot nicer. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Man, it's so funny to hear everybody talk about on X. I wonder yeah. how long before that gets overthrown and everybody's talking about uh the new Spartan Forge. Have you tried that out? Oh, there'll there'll always be some new player come up. No, I, I haven't. Uh it the reason we use OnX is because I can share my account with my two boys. And okay. so we, and maybe other apps do this as well. It, it very well possibly. Uh the nice thing is if I drop a lot of times my son Gabe, who you know, people have seen on Sags in the Wild and helps me do reviews and things like that. I'll drop him off a lot of times, six, seven, eight miles away from where I hunt nowadays. I mean, you know, he's 14. He's a very accomplished woodsman. I have complete faith and trust in him. I, you know, he one six up repels down, you know, we hunt a, a wide area. And I mean, there's, it's like you talked about BLM or BM. BLM. Checkerboarded. It, uh, yeah, it, where we hunt is, is checkerboarded with public lane like that all over the place. And he'll say, dad, I want to go here. And he'll mention a name that, you know, big six woods or, you know, where I killed my big six a few years back or. Did that know, go Pope and Young? <laughs> 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 yeah, he, he barely made Pope and Young, 137. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, a world-class six, a, po, a, a six on a, on a Boone and Crockett frame. Yep. He's a, he's a giant. But uh yeah, I'll drop him off at some place way, way away. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking, you know, eight miles away from where I'm hunting. And the nice thing, I'll tell him, I'll say, when you get your, when you get set up, drop a pin, and I can instantly see it, you know, because he's sharing my account. And okay. I know that you know, worst case scenario, something happens, I know exactly where what tree to go to. You know, okay. I guess you could do it with Live 360 and things like that. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just something we've always used it for. But oh, yeah, yeah I, I've heard I've heard there's uh, really good stuff out there on the horizon now. Yeah, the uh, Spartan Forge came out with this new app, and I bought it. It's it's pretty nice. I'm not gonna lie. Um, they, they've got some things to work through and improve, yep. but I, I think you might see a new uh, top player in the game there in the next yep. year or two, possibly. Well, We'll see. But you know what? I, I love, you know, and I'm not, I'm not affiliated uh, 
affiliated with Onyx, I, I do get a, a, a price break through with them through, you know, my involvement in the industry and everything. So that's, you know, I'm very appreciative of that, but uh, I, I just love competition out there. You know, Absolutely. Competition breeds excellence. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, a lot of people, you see a lot of, uh, well, I notice a lot of archery shops don't like it for sure. They don't want yeah. competition. Um, there, there's all, uh, we got a local bait shop that, uh, they got, they've got a gas station, the whole nine. And, um, people started talking about putting a bait shop or a gas station, like within, you know, a few hundred yards there or whatever, man, they were, they were not thrilled, but at the same rate, and I can, I can see their point, but sure. man, competition, I, I started thinking, I'm like, man, that does suck for them. And then I thought, but man, I wonder if that means prices might go down for me, a little exactly. bit. you know, you never know. But, um, now I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so I guess, um, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. I, I intend to talk to you a few times, uh, throughout this upcoming year. Um, pretty excited to have you coming out to the expo this year. And uh, I say we, we can definitely talk about that. I'm excited, excited about that. You know, we talked about it last year and it just didn't work out, but, uh, this year it's, it's a, definitely a priority for me and I'm, I'm excited, and I, I think I'll, I'll be out there with, with Dan and Hunter Osterhout from uh, Eastern Woods Outdoors. Oh, yeah. And uh, we actually might have a new – and I can't, I probably shouldn't even say this because you're going to bug the crap out of me. <laughs> we might be bringing a new product with us uh, to, to that expo. So uh, be another great reason for uh, people to come out and, and uh, you know, learn from some of the best in the industry, see all the great products, and uh, maybe even see some new stuff that's uh, yeah. going to be unveiled. And, and one of the coolest things that, you know, one of the reasons we, we created this is so that they can actually shop gear in an unbiased way. It's not one yep. company doing, you know, their show or what you can try that company and 15 others. You try any exactly. saddle you want. You can try any platform you want, sticks, steps, ring of yeah. steps, whatever you want. So um, it's going to be pretty awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts from you, sir? You know, uh, I, I just appreciate you having me, having me on. I think uh, the big thing is to what we close with that mobile hunter expo is going to be just phenomenal. You know, I've, I've had the great pleasure to, uh, participate in a lot of trade shows, Birmingham world expo, you know, Iowa deer hunters expo, all that stuff. And it is so cool meeting people that you talk to online all the time. Yes. It's so cool seeing people that, you know, have legitimate thirst for knowledge. And, uh, and I know it's not just going to be me there. There's going to be a lot of seasoned saddle veterans and, and mobile run and gun, you know, experts, if you want to say that, you know, they're at, at your expo and it's just going to be cool. I think, you know, if, if there's any way that people can come check that out, I think they ought to come. Yeah, I'll, I'll be pretty pumped to see everybody out there. I think we're going to try to do it at the end of July. And uh, with that being said, I can't thank you enough for your time, man. I know you're still working to fill that buck tag out there. So uh, I'm glad it rained today. Um, <laughs> when you when you asked me yesterday, I'm like, hell yeah, you can cancel. Dude. Yeah, go go deer hunting. That's That's number one. We yeah. will podcast when it's raining or, you know, 80 degrees. I don't, I don't know what kind of weather you're getting, but yeah, it, was it was 70 yesterday. 70. But you know what? That, that my target buck was out there when it was 
65 degrees. And, oh, my uh, gosh. I just needed him to take 10 steps. So, 65 yeah. degrees. And how big is this? Is this guy pretty big? He's good. He's not. He's one of two that I'm after. One of them will, will legitimately go boon. Um, he's got flyers and kickers all over him. I've got a lot of video of him over one particular scrape that I've been doctoring with buck fever synthetics. Uh, he he will go boon. This one will not. Uh, he's a he's an eight, so he's losing a lot of ability to sure. carry. You know, but but he's uh, he's a really super nice eight. He he will definitely go on a pedestal mount on a on an end table for me. So I've, I've got, go. I've got him all picked out, man. You got everything ready to go. You just got to send that arrow. Huh? I just got to get him broadside in front of me. All right. Well, dude, I appreciate you, brother. Um, you have Thanks, a good sir. night and, uh, this has been fueled by the outdoors. I've been your host, Chris Leppert. We've been joined tonight by Greg Staggs and we thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe. Thank you.